Hey everyone, this is Oxygen for Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Josh Garrison. As always, we give you leadership principles that help you maximize your leadership potential. I'm so excited about the guest we have on today, Caleb Stanley, who was the co-creator of The Alternative, as well as the author of a new book called The Alternative as well. I'm really excited. Caleb, how are you doing today, sir? Hey, Josh. I'm doing great, man. A little under the weather as uh, a lot of us are. (laughs) I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. Well, man, we can't thank you enough for coming on. So let's kind of jump right into it. Tell everyone who may not know what the alternative is and really the background on that. And yeah, share with us, share with us a little bit about that. Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate it, Josh. The alternative uh, started in 2016, March, March 16th, uh, 2012, not 2016. I'm sorry. Uh, we had our first event and it really started just because we saw a need in our community for churches to come together. And at the time I was, I was 17 years old. And a wow. good friend of mine, Austin Dennis, came to me and he said, hey, man, I've got this idea um, to start this not a worship uh, or do this. He wanted to do this like worship thing on a baseball field because he was a baseball player. And I had this idea to do an I worship at this local gym, like this kind of worship center gym, kind of weird, you know, those little combo places, whatever. And he was like, well, I've got this cool name and I had this kind of cool concept. So we brought it together. and." That's really how it started. Um, we just wanted to see, at the time, youth groups come together in our community, and we wanted to see God bring together different denominations and different churches, because I, I'm right in the middle of the Bible Belt. I'm in Atlanta, so there's Methodist, Presbyterian, Baptist, all these churches all over the place. And uh, we were like, man, what would it look like if we, we kind of teamed up, and uh, what could God do with that? So that's a, a little bit about how it started. Um, it's evolved a lot over the years. It's, you know, 2019 now. Wow. It's been several years and, uh, we've taken a couple breaks and done different events and it's thrown and it's just been a, re- a really beautiful journey so far. But that's a little bit about the altar. <clears throat> wow. That's awesome. And we've seen really, some, at least I have through social media, some explosion of growth. I saw you had Cole and Savannah LeBrant not too long ago, correct? Yeah, man, we had uh, Cole and Savannah come in August of 2017. So they're great. They love the Lord and leverage their platform uh, just in really unique ways to reach people. And uh, so they came out and shared their testimony in 2017, and that was uh, that was our biggest event. Um, a lot of people came hear hear their story, and that was shortly after they got married. And it's just been fun, man. It's been a journey and. Um, we had John Luke Robertson. Uh, That's right. Uh, the Doug Dynasty, you know, a lot of people know him from that show. He came down from Liberty and uh, shared some of his story and uh, made everybody laugh and encouraged a lot of people. And uh, he's a great guy as well. And so we, we kind of, in the past, we really tried to leverage, you know, the people that got put in our life um, and let them share their stories and share their your vulnerability and um, and invite other people in the story, you know, that God's doing here. So it's been good. We, like I said, we started in 2012. We haven't done an event over the last few months. We've just been taking a break, but um, we have just seen like so many ups and downs uh, of God's faithfulness in this community. We started 
we did it for two years. We took uh, kind of like a couple year break and started back up. And then that's kind of when Cole and Savannah came out. We started in a train depot back in 2017. It could fit like 200 people. And we thought, uh, we dude, we broke so many fire codes. I could like, <laughs> we, we thought, you know, we wanted to be full. We wanted to invite everybody out. And like 300 people came. So we kept moving venues and moving venues. And uh, in August when Cole and Savannah came, this was January was the first one in the train depot. August was a couple months later, obviously. We had over 1,500. And so it was just like a super catalytic season in this community. And uh, the alternative book we wrote tells a lot of that story in detail. talks a lot about the personal struggles our leadership team went through, I went through, Austin went through. But it also talked about, uh, it, it talks about like, a lot of times when we think about wanting to do these things for our community, um, I know we were talking about this, but how do you access that strength to do these things or the wisdom to do these things? But the alternative, it's always been more of about identifying your vulnerability and inviting people to meet you in those places of vulnerability. And that's where we saw the most growth. That's where we saw the most excitement. And um, so, yeah, man. <clears throat> man, that's awesome. So the book... Uh, since you touched on that a little bit, is literally a journey of kind of how the alternative started and the last couple seasons it's been in. Yes, yes. So it's a story about the alternative, but it's also kind of a call to action for the reader. Uh, the alternative, <laughs> we always say these three things. We're about awakening dreams, uniting communities, and amplifying hope. And the first one Awakening dreams is really just identifying what what God's put in your heart, what He's the passion He's put inside of you. Maybe they've been buried beneath fear, shame, you know, past mistakes. They're just mundane, everyday things, and we bury our dreams. And God's like God's calling us to these things, and He's whispering to us. Now the enemy's shouting, and He's He's yelling, and He's He's trying to distract us, but God's just got this consistent, soft whisper. And it's called to go back to the dream he's put in our heart. And you look throughout scripture, you look at David, this, this call to be a king, but he was out in the field and it didn't look like it was going to happen. It didn't look like it'd be possible. And then Saul comes after him, but God just keeps whispering, hey, like, you're a man after my own, just keep pursuing me, keep trusting me. And all throughout scripture, you see God calling everyday men, uh, normal people in their normal jobs, in their fishing boats, to call and be a part of something, to come and be a part of something bigger than themselves, bigger than anything they've been a part of. And uh, so that's the whole awakening your dream piece. The second, uniting your community, that's just what, what would it look like if our generation came together, churches came together, denominations came together, uh, political parties came together to see people like saved, to see people find hope. What would that look like? And then Amplifying hope, that's simple. We know this, Josh, because we found Jesus, but a lot of people don't know what hope is like. They don't recognize what hope is, and we have to make that really clear and really explain what that looks like. We know that's found in Jesus. We know that's through what he did on the cross. But um, those are three of the main principles that we talked about in the book, and we share a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, um, a lot of fun stories, a lot of personal <laughs> stories. We get really vulnerable. And, uh, wow. It's, it's, it was it was interesting. It's hard to write a book. Like I've, I've written blogs, and everybody else in the world has not written a blog. But uh, you know, you can kind of get a little vulnerable, 
on like a one page blog, but when you write 200 pages, um, you can't like fake stuff. <laughs> right. You gotta have to get real and honest. And, um, halfway through the book, I, I really kept kind of battling this, uh, insecurity in my heart of just going, I, I don't want to, I feel like I, the temptation is to try to write something that's going to be better and the best. And it's going to be this, you know, like, man, have you read that? It's like the, the best, most groundbreaking content, all this stuff. And I just, God kind of, I guess revealed to me, like the way this was going to be the most impactful to people was if it was just true to who we were. And it was, I use this word again, but it, it was vulnerable. And I think wow. we, we've all got to call. We all want to be used by God. But the key to being used by God is being vulnerable. It's not about being strong. It's not about being noticed. It's, it's about being authentic and vulnerable. And I think we're really going to see that with Generation Generation Z coming up is this, this longing for authenticity and, and vulnerability. And it's going to be the few people that have the courage to step out and display that in creative and unique ways that are really going to gain um, some God-given influence. And it's going to be cool to see, but vulnerability is just so un, uh, like underrated and and missed in in what we wow. do as children of God. So, so that book, uh, where can people pick that up at? And they can get it on Amazon. I think uh, Amazon's got the best pricing right now, and you can if you've got Prime, you can get it in two days. But Barnes and Noble carries it locally. Books a million also carries it in most of their stores. Um, really pretty much anywhere books are sold, you can, you can purchase it in stores or you can order it, you know, on Amazon. Like I said, you can also go to the alternative.org and you can okay. order it. There's a couple of click-through links there. You can order it. Um, yeah, man, hopefully, hopefully it's all around, but, uh, if it's not, right. that's right. So for all of you listening, go check it out. The alternative, pick it up. Um, I'm excited to read it myself. So, Caleb, kind of transitioning into questions about leadership, let's talk about how do you every day grow yourself as a leader? Man, that's a great question. There's a lot of good answers to that, um, some more practical, some a little less tangible. I would say that the biggest thing is the environment and to break down the environment. You know, there's a lot of factors, but the people you're around, and the discipline that you surround yourself with, you know, that being systems, calendars, uh, reminders. Uh, if you're if you're not around people that are driven, it's really hard to teach drive. I, I've been around. Uh, I've had people on our team that they're hard workers. Um, they've got a great heart. They've got good character, but if they don't have drive, it just slows you down, and you feel like you're this. You're pulling a sled uh, of sled dogs and they're all just dragging behind you So, mm. getting around people that um, can run with your pace and push you and call you out that's really healthy you know Proverbs talks about iron sharpening iron and like that that's so so huge in leadership you want guys around you that that can run your pace it's not a little bit quicker um, and also one thing I do is I schedule everything out I do my I cal I've I plan in phone calls. I plan in reading time. I plan in if I needed to have on a certain day, I'll plan that in because I want to look at the end of the week and, and be able to measure how productive I've, I was. It's easy to just kind of coast through a week, spend 
couple hours on our phones and waste our time here and there and just really waste what our week could have been. So building systems, whether it's reminders on your phone or whether it's carrying a little notebook with you that you're writing down your, your to-do list, you've got to find, you've got to find what systems work well for you, but you want to be able to uh, have a system that's measurable. You want to make sure you can look back six months ago and go, okay, I'm growing. I- I'm progressing. Because if you can't measure what you're doing, it's going to be really hard to see uh, right. what forward progress looks like. So those are just a couple things. Um, obviously, reading, always be reading some type of leadership book or uh, staying in the Word is obviously huge. And then uh, one thing I do all the time because I drive and travel a lot is I do Audible. It's really easy, practical. You can press play, listen to a book. And that's super great. And podcast. I love podcasts. I'm get podcasts. So I love what you said um, about the friends you surround yourself with. You really want them to have kind of more drive than you do because then it encourages you to keep pushing, keep going. And we've actually had several people use that as their answer. It, they'll say, man, it's all about the people you surround yourself with. And I, I love that because it's so true because – you want those people that gives you that extra drive and who encourages you so you can keep going and keep pursuing uh, your dreams as well. Um, so kind of segue that kind of segues into our next question. How was it, what kind of gave you the courage and the faith to step out and start the alternative that had to be a kind of a scary thing to think about, especially as a 17 year old, and how did you kind of overcome the thought of failure or fear? So I guess what gave you the, the courage uh, to, to do it and kind of put the thought of failure and fear in the background? Man, great question. Um, you know, we we have failed a couple of times. But there's been a lot of failures along the way. And I, I'll work my way back in this question. I met with a guy who's done... Uh, several large like Christian events, some of the largest Christian events in the country. And he was telling a story to a group of uh, probably 20 or 30 people. And somebody asked him, what, what gave you the courage to start filling arenas and, and start doing this? Cause you know, there's so much financial overhead. There's you're, you know, you're putting your name on the line. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's so much that, that goes into these things. And this individual had uh, a son who had passed away tragically. And he said, um, I was always playing it safe and doing what I knew, I'm paraphrasing, but what, what I knew would be a safe play, you know, it'd be good. We'd see God get glorified in it, but I didn't have to really trust him. But when I lost my son, I realized that I wasn't afraid to fail anymore, you know, because I, I had already gone through the greatest pain that I could ever go through. Nothing could, could scare me like this. That's hurt me. You know, nothing could affect me. So it gave him this audacity to step out and to be careful. And luckily, I didn't go through a season like that. But hearing the words of a leader like that really challenged me to go, man, what if I could live like, hey, it's okay to fail. Like, what's the worst that's going to happen if it falls apart? You know, what is the worst that's going to happen? And, wow. um, you know, there's been seasons we've shown up to events and like, nobody's been there. Like, people see the 1,500 people that come to here in Savannah and they see the book and they see, see all this cool content and all this stuff but you know people don't see the events where 200 people show up and we were expecting 800 but you know there were events going on at football games like 
those are really emotional lags. And as a leader, again, you've got to have those people around you that when you come to those places, those lags where you're losing momentum, you know, I've, I've got an Austin Dennis who was in this with me. I've got a Luke Lazan who moved here to figure out what God was, was doing with his life and what he was doing here. And, uh, wouldn't have been able to do this from the beginning if I didn't have a group of honestly five to seven guys who were in this with me. Um, it wasn't a weight that just I carried or that just Austin carried, but it was a weight that the team carried. So the friend group was really big and really when it comes down to it, just, you know, a real pointed answer, you say, how, how do you, how did you know? How did you have the strength? A lot of times I use this analogy. If you've ever been caught in a riptide in the ocean, if you're on the beach, you can't, unless you've got a trained eye, you can't really recognize what a riptide looks like. But if you're in the ocean, you know, you'll know, and if you didn't know, a riptide is just this undertow of water that's pulling you out into the ocean. But you can't see it. You can only feel it. And a lot of times, I feel like the Spirit of God moves in our heart, similar to that. You, you're looking around. You're trying to figure out what he's doing. You're trying to line up the numbers. You're trying to line up the practicality of all of these things. But at the end of the day, you're going to bed at night and all you know is that you know. And all you know is that you can feel something moving in your heart. You can feel something shift. You can't quite understand it, but faith is just going with that and stepping out and trusting what God's doing in your heart. And at the end of the day, there was no, uh, you know, simple process for the alternative. It was just we felt God fooling and God did his thing, and he is doing his thing, and we just jumped in with him. So wow. um, I think not being afraid to fail, having the right friends around you, and discerning the voice of God, those three three principles right there, when you take those with you, it doesn't have to make sense. Man, I love that. So to kind of, to kind of um, our last question here, um, if there was one piece of advice that you would give someone who's, has a dream in their heart and has a passion to do something, but's a little afraid to do it. What is one piece of advice you would give to them? Hmm. Or what's something yeah. you wish you were told? Yeah, no, I was told this one time, and it was I never would write a book, and I'm not saying people need to go write a book because there's plenty of good books, so you just need to read books, but. He said, when you die one day, he said, do you have a book in you? And I was like, I don't know. And he was like, well, you need to you need to get that out, and you need to birth that. You need to birth what God has given you, because one day you're going to die, you're going to look back, and you're going to have kids and grandkids, and your your opportunity to leave a, leave a legacy is, is going to be gone. And God has put something inside of all of us, and it's, it's our call to be obedient and to birth those dreams and to be, you know, be faithful with what he's given us. Um, I, I think a lot of times I've been thinking about this thought and this language. I was talking with another friend of mine, but I want to be a legacy lever and not a platform builder. And a lot of times our cult, like a lot of times, my, a lot of times I do, I, I'm like, how do we build a big platform so that we can build a big legacy and that we can leave a big legacy? Cause we want to leave a legacy. We want to teach people about God and, and have people that, you know, look up to us and we can lead them and do all this fun stuff. Like, But the problem is we flip that upside down because, again, God found David in the field before he had a platform. David was a shepherd in the field, 
before he was the shepherd of a nation. And God is looking for the people who are leaving a legacy at Chick-fil-A, who are leaving a legacy cleaning, you know, the, the bathrooms at a church, man. They're looking, God's looking for the people who are unnoticed and in the shadows. And those are the people that he wants to give a platform. But a lot of times we want to build a platform, even with good intentions, but we want to build a platform so that we can leave a legacy. That's not God's call. It's all on our lives is to just leave a legacy where we are. And if the platform comes, that's awesome, but it's not about the platform. So any advice to up-and-coming leaders is don't focus on the platform. Don't focus on building tons of content. Don't focus on all the business metrics of leadership. Focus on what it means to define and to leave a legacy in your circle of influence. And God will bless that, and he will take that further than any system or process that we can build. So wow. yeah, I would just try to answer in your heart, what does it mean to build a, a legacy that glorifies God, that honors God right where you're at? And it's not overwhelming. It's not stressful. It's really easy to just think about that. We look down the road and we try to compare ourselves with all these other people that are moving and shaking and doing this stuff. I do this every day. I have to fight this in my heart, but I have to come back sitting in my office every day and go, what does it look like just to leave a legacy here? What does it mean to steward this opportunity well? Wow. When we do that, it, it won't be as overwhelming. We won't get so anxious. We won't get so caught up in everything. We won't be having to check what's going on with so-and-so. Because we can know at the end of the day, at the end of our life, when we're talking to our kids, our grandkids, we can say, hey, look, I left a legacy. You know, whether it was just with my family or it was with a small group or whether it was with the nation. Let's be legacy leavers more than we are platform builders. Man, I love that so much. It's not about the platform. It's about leaving the legacy. Uh, Caleb, I can't thank you enough for coming on today. Uh, Stay on the line. Uh, When we're done recording, I want to thank you again. Uh, Everyone, once again, this is Caleb Stanley, the co-creator of The Alternative and the co-author of the book, The Alternative. You know, get it. Go get it today. Amazon, any bookstore. Caleb, thank you so much. Once again, this is Oxygen for Leaders podcast. Until next time.